What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. Man, is this going to be a good show. There's a lot of stuff that happened over the course of a week. Um, time flies. I was going through trying to prepare for this show. And just, uh, it's not like, I say a lot, and it's not like there's a lot of things happening. Because, of course, we're all still under lockdown in this pandemic. But, like, the, the story Fine. threads, yeah. the story threads that we, we're talking about today, like, are ongoing. Like, they haven't ended. <laughs> like, yep. they like pretty much since the last time we did our show, Kendall, these stories popped off. Maybe with the exception of Gundy, but that was Monday. And since then, that's last Thursday to this Thursday, you know, it's been nonstop with these stories. <laughs> it's new developments. It's new wrinkles. So uh, I'm going to try our best to, to, to uh, lay all these things out and, and keep you guys up to speed with where we are as of today. But as again, you know, with how these stories continue to develop, who knows where we are, you know, at the end of this show or by tomorrow. It's been a wild week, you know. Um, we got to talk about the NBA stuff and, and the movement being uh, led by Kyrie uh, and, and some, some other players who are questioning uh, the motivations behind the NBA and, and questioning whether or not they should actually participate in the Orlando bubble. We got the MLB uh, uh, labor negotiations that have been very messy. Um, that have just been like, it's you know, one day you don't think they're going to play at all. Next day they look like they have a deal. Then someone says, actually, not really, but here's my offer for you. It's, it's just, it's again, keeping up with all this stuff has been crazy. And then uh, we got to talk about Mike Gundy, man. Um, Boy, Kendall, if you would have told, if you like, if you would have told me we we're going to talk about college football coach this week, but prior to this past, you know, uh, to this to month, prior to Monday, you said a football coach is going to get into the news this week. Mike Gundy would have been not on my top fifty list probably, and it's crazy how he's now become. If he's not the top story, I mean, he's not the top story in this show to be fair, but for some people, he's the top story in sports right now. And what's happening at Oklahoma State, uh, and I told we talked about it, you know, when it happened, uh, to me, is just completely unprecedented. This is a, a a crazy situation. But before we get to all that stuff, Kendall, I got to talk about the uh, news that came out today that Jets All-Pro Safety Jamal Adams is now demanding or requesting a trade from the New York Jets. If people have been following this situation, you'll know that Jamal has been unhappy with his contract situation and uh, and essentially has been vocal about how he wants a deal. And the Jets have, I, I think it's fair to say they've slow walked it. They, they really haven't, you know, early, early on in January, I want to say, or February, they was like, oh, they're talking and there's some optimism, which at the time, you know, Jamal, uh, Quelch, you know, he 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 denied that that they were really anywhere near close to a deal, and that appears to be right because they're not close right now. He's now demanded out, so apparently uh, he's looking at several teams he wants to go to: the Ravens, Cowboys, Texans, Chiefs, Eagles, and Niners, uh, and Seahawks. If I didn't say Seahawks, kind of, what do you make of this just initial situation from the Jets' standpoint and from? How you think it may play out with President Maul in his uh, quest to get out of New York? Yeah, um, it, it seems like the Jamal Adams thing. This was always going to get to this point. 
I think Jet fans know that. I think New Yorkers know that. And I think football fans kind of know that. You know, it was it was always going to get to this point with Jamal Adams um, where they were playing this cat and mouse game of I'm not happy. Oh, I, I, you know, I talked to Joe Douglas or I talked to, uh, who, you know, Gase or whoever, and I'm fine. And, oh, yeah, no, I'm not happy anymore. I went out to trade me or this, that, and the other. And it, it, it was becoming... Uh, it was becoming kind of, you know, I would imagine it was, it was becoming annoying for people that weren't Jets fans, you know. So I imagine how it was for Jets fans. But um, this is just the latest chapter in that, so it's not surprising uh, whether or not this is a legitimate threat or not. Uh, I'm not so sure about. Um, from the Jets, really? I still want legitimate compensation. Um, I'm not selling him low because he wants out. Because uh, as we know, contract football, doesn't end until twenty twenty, the end of twenty twenty one. Exactly, the contract doesn't end until the end of twenty twenty one, and the the franchise tag exists. So, uh, in football, uh, the trade request is legitimate. He could just say, "I'm not playing," but uh, I mean, I don't know. Um, so I, I mean, I, I'm still asking for a king's ransom. Um, you know, some people mentioned uh, if you're the Eagles, you go out Ertz uh, and a draft pick. Uh, for for Jamal Adams, you know that's, that's certainly be an attractive thing for the Jets to give uh, Sam Darnold kind of a veteran weapon on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but honestly, I think Wentz needs that. You know, the, the Eagles don't have many weapons right now uh, in the passing game. Um, they drafted a couple, but still a lot of unproven guys uh, in the passing game. So it might be good to keep Ertz, uh, although. They need to, you know, address some some things in the secondary as well. Uh, obviously, the Ravens and Chiefs are the teams you look at and say, "Wow, if they get Jamal Adams, especially the Ravens, man, if you, if you give them Jamal Adams on top of, you know, Earl Thomas, I mean, things could really get spicy out there in Baltimore." But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, Jamal Adams is a supreme talent, and Dallas is obviously a team people look at as well, but. I just personally, I don't know if Michael Gallup is enough. If I'm a Jeff fan, you know, well, Michael that's Gallup. That's the answer question because I saw someone. I saw someone throw out there: Should could you get CD Lamb for Jamal Adams? No, because on, really, on the surface it sounded crazy, but I didn't. I had to throw it out there because I'm like, maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, that that I don't know if that's ever happened. I mean, I'm sure it's happened before, but like that's always a rare thing where because I mean, Jamal Adams is talent. right. Like I remember when the Celtics wanted to trade Rondo in, this was 2014? Celtics wanted to trade Rondo in 2014. You know, people were talking, oh, maybe we trade him to the Lakers for Julius Randle, who had just been drafted. Or maybe we trade him to the Kings for Nick Stauskas, who had just been drafted. And it was like, that's those teams aren't going to trade that guy. Like, they even drafted him in the top 10. You know, so <laughs> I don't know if that's ever, I don't know if that's ever happened where a team drafts a guy like C.D. Lamb, who was a blue chip prospect, not like even a guy they reached for, a guy that fell to them. And that they coveted, and then they're going to trade him for Jamal Adams. Wow, can't imagine. Yeah. Now Michael I mean, Gallup, certainly. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, this is a, a depressing situation as a Jeff fan. I don't see a lot of upside. Um, I Michael Gallup is a good player. I'm not going to, you know, you know, very good. Respectful to him, you know. Yeah, you know, this guy, uh, young player, already caught for 1,100 yards last year. You know, it was an offense that was. 
a, you know, a high-powered offense, but still uh, for a team that, man, you're talking about not having weapons. Uh, the Jets could use all the help they can get. So, you know, Gallup is a good player. Um, Ertz is a good player. I don't, I don't know. I wonder what the Jets, what the Jets will value, and I wonder if they, what that means in regards to if they value ready-made talent. Okay, how good does that player have to be? And okay, if it's not ready-made talent, how, um, how good is the draft haul? Because, man, I love I love Jamal Adams as a player. I think he's a stud. But I, I, I feel like. If, if there's this notion that the Jets are going to get this crazy haul for him, I think people really haven't watched Jamal Adams and his impact on the Jets as an overall defense. Not saying he's not a great player, but... And the Jets' defense improved over the course of last season, but is he this guy that you put him out there no matter who's kind of on the defense and he just changes your entire defense and you become dominant? No. Is he a dominant player on if he was on a good defense, would make a good defense great? Yes, I do feel that way, which is why I think for these other teams, it is worth being in the in the chase for Jamal. But I think his his position as a strong safety <clears throat> and 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 not necessarily the, the a guy who's going to take the ball away as much as you probably would like for a player with the money he's probably asking for, which is. Why I'll get to that point in a second. Which is, so just just staying on that real quickly, I, I I have some questions about what the Jets can really get for him. I think that fans are gonna be very disappointed when they find out what the haul will be. On the flip side, though, when I saw these teams, it made me very it made it very clear to me that uh, Jamal does not want to be a Jet. This isn't about money. I, I think that this is a long game that was being played since the middle of last season. Um. And it's hard not to. It's hard to blame him per se because the team has not been run very well. Uh, he's played on a three, just hapless team with zero talent, zero hope. You know, from week one to you know, like at a certain point that gets to you. And for a guy who's been a winner his entire career, you know, going to as a young player to in college and to go to be with this Jets team and as sorry as they've been, I can understand being like, I get get out of here. But I don't want to hear about the money thing because you picked a bunch of teams in here in terms of the teams you want to go to. None of those teams have the money to sign you. All those teams are above the cap or at a cap number that is uh, not enough to make room for you. So when he gets traded, he's not going to get an extension. He's going to get he's going to be making the same money he's getting now. So that's that's why I'm kind of numb to it because it's like this is just him not wanting to be a Jet and the team is awful. So I understand it, but. I think for him, he was like, yo, if I can get a ridiculous bag that nobody's going to give me, then I'll stay. But if I can't, then this is the great, this is the perfect excuse to get me out of here. Uh, it's it's frustrating because the Jets, I think he may be the only blue chip player the Jets have had in 10 years, legitimately. Um, Sam, we hope, is that guy too. But in terms of like what we know, like a blue chip prospect and a guy who came up and it became an elite player, an idea that they, they just couldn't, cashing at all it feels very like it feels very much like what happened with kp as a nick fan and, um, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's it feels like deja vu all over again i'm watching the same moves the same you know slick little comments the same slick little you know <laughs> diva 
uh, uh, moves to make, you know, to, to kind of put out the question of whether or not, you know, he really wants to be here. Hyping know, up great. other teams, other destinations. Yeah, other all the hype with other teams and him talking about other teams and other players. And, like, it, it's like, it was, it was inevitable. I've seen this movie before. Like, maybe I'd be more angry had I not gone through the KP situation. But I'd gone through it. So it's like, I've seen it. And this is no longer uh, all that surprising. So, I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, I'm surprised you don't think that he... You're not super convinced that he actually will get traded. Um, I am. Because I don't think the team really, really... I think they want him. But I don't think they really, really, really want him. I think that Douglas values assets. I think he... I think, as we saw in the draft, he values, you know, getting... You know, getting you know you know twenty five cents extra on right. you know whatever does, deal he's making. I think he yeah. likes wheeling and dealing. And so, does, does your scouts, <clears throat> so he's right. He feels like I can find somebody, you know, whatever whatever extra pick you give me or whatever extra. I think he feels like give me more players and more options. I can do well than right. rather I need this one superstar guy. You yeah, know? exactly. And I think that that's where. Um, I think that's where you're gonna see uh, Douglas, you know, make his magic. That's why I think he's gone. I think that Douglas is, is he's like, oh, good, this is all I was waiting for. Was you to act up and be like, get me out of here. I think Douglas, good, Douglas, gonna, Douglas, gonna try to get the best deal possible. And you know, when it comes to trades, I, I can't, I can't say he hasn't done a good job so far. Uh, from what we saw a little bit in the draft, I like what I saw. So let's see what he does uh, with this situation. Um, but let's talk about some uh, some some of the NBA stuff. Let's talk about a lot of the big news we had this week. So let's start with uh, where we left you guys last week when it seemed like everything was full speed ahead in regards to resuming the NBA season. But as it turns out, there are a faction of players who are not too keen into entering into entering uh, the Orlando bubble. The players uh, the players' names who have come up the most uh, have been Kyrie Irving. Uh, who's an uh, NBA Players Union VP, uh, who had been quoted in call saying that uh, uh, now is the time to capitalize on the momentum that's been generated by uh, this movement against racism and police brutality that's been sweeping the world. Uh, Dwight Howard has also been outspoken. Um, our A.B. Bradley's been outspoken. They've kind of been the leaders of this NBA Players Coalition that's kind of talked about things that they feel are needed to, uh, to, to, to even begin to think about coming back to play this year. And they've all advocated for this idea that perhaps uh, playing is not the best idea and that they would uh, cause a distraction from the larger issues that they feel are very important, which is, again, the fight against racism, the fight against police brutality. Uh, before even starting play, Bradley and the co- uh, Players of Coalition laid out a series of demands that they want to see enacted uh, in, I guess, some kind of statement or something they put out to ESPN. They include uh, better uh, better improved hiring uh Practices to include more diversity in the front office and uh, head coaching positions, direct donations to organizations serving in the black community and partnerships with black owned businesses and arena vendors. So, uh, yeah, this kind of threw a monkey wrench and everything. You know, we all thought it was all, you know, pretty much a slam dunk. And with the, you know, spiking COVID cases in the state of Florida, with the added anxiety we're starting to hear about players kind of realizing that when they decide to get on that plane from wherever they are and head down to you know Disney World and get into that facility and get in those hotels that it's going to be you know two months potentially of you not being able to leave <laughs> this location uh, and some of the stuff that we've already heard about the rules that will be 
out there are pretty strict. Um, and they yeah. Have an, uh, anonymous call line to say, hey, if you see somebody breaking the rules, you can you can uh, drop the dime on them. So, the D'Angelo Russell special. Yeah, I saw a lot of people saying that. And I also saw people bring out Chris Paul. Does Chris Paul have a snitching history I don't know about? Well, I don't yeah, remember. but like, the thing with Chris Paul is like, you know, he's like a, you know, the idea, the, 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 I guess. He's the, always trying to find an edge. He's doing whatever like, it takes. Not just the edge, but that like, yeah, the, what, 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 how do I put it? The, I don't want to say the, the gimmick on Chris Paul, but like the, I guess the book on Chris Paul has always been that he's. You know, been a, a you know mole, you know, kind of a, a player's mole that kind of works with the league or <laughs> works with the coaches or you know, kind of a rat. So that's that's always been the thing. I think Matt Barnes has been a guy that's talked about that before. Uh, mm-hmm. Some other guys who you know, Kenyon Martin, not Matt Barnes. I think it was Kenyon Martin who had kind of said that, but it may have been Matt Barnes too. I don't know. But that, that's always been kind of the. <laughs> it feels the like one of them. It feels like one of them light skinned dudes who <laughs> say something right. like that about Chris Paul. You know, somebody that played with him said, oh, yeah, Chris Paul, you know, he's got that reputation for being kind of a, I don't want to say a sellout, but, you know, because of where he, he's. He, he has a little bit of Derek Fisher to him. Exactly. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Not, and not the, um, you know, messing with the people's wives. Right? Not that at all. Not yeah, same, right. same at all. I'm talking about the. The players. You know, guy. Yeah. And the, the, the kind of, you know, he, he seems to have a, a, a really good relationship with the owners and with the league and, you know. Whatever that means is what it means, but I think for a lot of with Fisher, I knew that that came with negative connotations when they thought that he was uh, he was selling them a bad deal <laughs> during that lockout situation. They thought that he ended up kind of siding with the GMs and the owners uh, uh, and and the commissioner, which was kind of that was a yo that lockout negotiation was nuts. Like that was crazy. We're gonna get to the baseball stuff, which is crazy too, but. Uh, you remember how that ended? How like again, like Fisher was the leader of the players thing, and all of a sudden they all turned on him. And he, yeah, and he okay. was like with the owners. That was crazy. But anyway, um, so yeah, this is this uh, this is no longer looking again like the slam dunk that looked like last week. This is now becoming kind of a crawl to the finish line. Adam Silver kind of just gave it up and was like, "Yo, man, this ain't gonna be for everybody." Um, he basically said, "I'm not expecting everybody to be there." Um, if you're you have some kind of underlying health condition. They've already said you could put out a waiver and say, yo, I can't play in this joint, and they'll pay you. Right. Or they may force uh, you not to play. Or right, yeah, and they may force you not to play. And even if you decide, I don't got a waiver, I'm just not pulling up, you could just decide. They could, they, they, you, you won't get money, but you, you're not going to get suspended or be disciplined in any way. You can just decide not to go. So uh, how do you feel, Kendall, about the sentiments with some of these guys not wanting to show up? We talked about it a little bit off air, but I'm curious how that's uh, how your feelings have evolved right. since then. So, uh, look, I mean, look, Kyrie, um, you know, he's gotten a lot of flack for some of the stuff he said. Uh, I think some of the stuff, rightfully so. Um, you know, I don't. I, some of the people attacking him were kind of just attacking him because it's Kyrie Irving, and look, I get it. Of course, I get it more than most people, you know, in terms of not liking Kyrie, you know, for him, you know, him is kind of his quirky nature or whatever. But, you know, I think in this case, you know, I'm not going to let somebody's past, you know, kind of judgments or mistakes or character concerns, you know, you know, it's not going to maybe dismiss anything, any of the points they're trying to make. Um, so I do think that that is that's. 
you know, I think where some people may be going out of bounds with this, and I think, you know, someone like Kendrick Perkins, you know, clearly has a gripe with Kyrie, similar to mine, because, you know, he's a Celtic guy, and was was a Cavs guy, so he knows, you know, he knows some of the stuff with Kyrie. So he's never been the biggest fan of Kyrie since what happened in Boston. Uh, so I think some of his energy that's been anti-Kyrie, some of that I think is is held over, is, you know, kind of uh, stuff that he's had for for Kyrie Irving. But um, overall, like I think what Kyrie brings up is, are some legitimate points, and I'm not sure about you know him talking about the you know the all this feels fishy and the you know this you know feels like systemic racism. You know, I get the optics of it aren't great. Um, in terms of the whole, the whole bubble stuff, but largely it's for health reasons. Um, I would say largely, 100% is for health reasons. If the NBA couldn't do, if the NBA didn't, if they didn't have to do this, they wouldn't be doing this. Um, but they can't really do it any other way. And then beyond health reasons, for economic reasons, because if they can't do it any other way, then they can't make any money. And that's the whole, that's the whole point of this is that everyone's got to make money in this scenario. Um, I know, you know, I guess you would look at optically, oh, well, but the owners are the ones making the most money. You know, the old white people are the ones making the money off of us. Um, and I guess that's a fair thing to say, but at the same time, you know, you don't cut your nose to spite your face. You know, like, this, you, you know, this feels like, that feels like a step too far to say, we're not going to play. And maybe he's just throwing that out there. Maybe that's being characterized as this is Kyrie's stance. I don't know. Kyrie hasn't said anything publicly. It's all been kind of, you know, quotes and hearsay and sources and rumors. So uh, until Kyrie officially comes out with a stance publicly, if he ever does, we won't know. But if behind the scenes, if, he, if he's putting that out there as an idea, I respect it. You know, throw it out there. Oh, maybe we just don't play. Um, if that's his stance, that I we don't we shouldn't play. We should all stick together and put our foot in the sand and say we're not playing because there's more important things going on. I don't necessarily agree with that uh, notion because I just don't think that that is. I don't know if they're mutually exclusive. So if they're not mutually exclusive, why take such an extreme uh, measure that is going to ultimately, you know, backfire on the basketball end? For a lot of people, not just yourselves, but mostly for yourselves, if you're looking at this from a selfish point of view, but then also backfire uh, for, you know, obviously fans and other sponsors and, you know, you know, uh, obviously the league in general and TV people, TV partners. And it's going to get to the point where, obviously, again, force majeure, the local TV networks and the, you know, the national TV networks will blow up whatever contracts they have because they're not, they're not paying money for no games. And then once that happens, the NBA is going to, the owners are going to blow up the CBA. And once the, the CBA gets blown up, now we're going to have a lockout almost certainly because the owners now during a pandemic aren't going to all of a sudden be trying to give away stuff. We see what happens, what's happening in baseball and what's happening in baseball will 100% happen in basketball if the CBA gets blown up. And if that's the case, uh, we're gonna it's going to be bad. And the players, whatever, all the stuff that they got, they're going to probably have to give up <laughs> to play basketball going forward. So, I don't know. I mean, look, maybe Kyrie's ready for that fight. And maybe he is. Maybe that's the point. But, look, I think, you know, some of the stuff, you know, Austin Rivers obviously put out, a, put out you know, an Instagram post that I thought, Laid out a lot of the good arguments about why the guy should be playing. Um, I look, I understand, you know, the stuff about money. 
some people don't care about that. Some people are like, I've already lost my job and I'm I'm out there protesting or, you know, I like, you know, yeah, but, you know, not everyone is, is in a bad financial situation. The guys should have maybe prepared for that or had a, a so-and-so or had some sort of financial manager making sure that in the case of worst case scenario, they'd still be secure financially because they're all making millions of dollars. So I understand maybe that, but even then I'm like, that's still not fair to tell a guy we're not going to play. I'm not going to play. Again, Kyrie can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's hurt anyway. So I, part of me is like, why is he the one saying this? Well, you're not even playing. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to be there. You probably shouldn't be there. But even someone like A.B. Bradley or Ray John Rondo or, I mean, not Rondo because he hasn't said anything, but Dwight Howard, rather, who's uh, also been vocal about this, you don't have to play. You don't have to play. In fact, maybe if this is your stance, I encourage you not to play. Maybe you, maybe you feel that like you could be more important or more uh, more useful outside of the bubble than you can be inside of the bubble. That's totally your prerogative. But not everyone feels that way. Not everybody, you know, maybe wants to. You know, so that's that's the that's the the, the tough part about this. Some people feel like a LeBron or somebody feel like they may be more visible and more uh, to maybe do more things with the platform that they have playing in, in playing these games. So I don't know. I mean, again, I wouldn't tell anybody you have to play. Um, and I, that's, this is all just the social aspect of it. I think the health thing really is wh- where I'm like, I totally get it if a guy doesn't want to play. Because this thing, the stuff in Florida is getting, it's not good. It's getting yeah, it's bad. Getting, it's getting spooky. Yeah. It's getting spooky. And Disney, they haven't, gi- they haven't given me confidence. The NBA hasn't given me confidence that guys aren't going to be getting sick. In fact, it seems like the NBA knows guys are going to get sick, and we're not shutting it down. You well, they, 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 they get in the uh, they get in the Green Lantern power rings to try to uh, get find out who has coronavirus before they get coronavirus. Did you see that there's there's like these rings? Oh yeah, players, ring. yeah. Apparently, yeah. it's going to be able to tell you know, oh, you getting the symptoms, <laughs> like which yeah. I'm like, first of all, again, well, I- yeah, first of all, it's just like one, it's just another example of like man, what we are able to figure out for rich people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yo, how we didn't get that the, the first day this joint <laughs> popped yeah, up in the year. Yeah, why was produced? This is a, that's a very simple thing. Yeah, like, and, and, and but, you know, for, 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 for the rich interest, they made sure they, they got some, some, like, you know, Earth 2 technology. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? What is this? Um, wow. Second of all, I'd be tweaking if, like, I had a ring and all of a sudden it started glowing or vibrating because I'm about to get coronavirus. Yeah, like, no, right. I'm already I already have anxiety for about yeah, getting people sick. Yeah, tweeting about it. And if you if you gave me that, man, I was... but yeah, but but Disney's not giving me any confidence when you hear yeah the employees aren't don't have to quarantine the employees they can go in and out. To me, I'm like like JJ Reg tweeted, so it's not a bubble then. Yeah, especially <laughs> with uh, just happening with Homeboy in the uh, in the top rank. Uh, Right, you, main event tonight. You know, a manager who was allowed to pull up late to the event, and you know, somehow, even though he's supposed to be quarantined, got tested for positive for COVID nineteen. They had to scrap the main event. So Mark. if, <laughs> which is probably why they're saying no agents. Which I, even that, I'm kind of like, all right, so this is kind of weird. So families allowed, but agents aren't. Why? Why is that? Um, I mean, I get it, but I don't. I don't know. This is. It's all weird, you know. I, I I don't I don't know how I feel about like families can be there, but if you're not family, you can't be there. I, 
I don't know. I feel like guys should just be able to pick whoever they want to be with them personally. Um, I don't know. Uh, this is all. This is all a weird. This is all a weird setup. The NBA having their thing about the super strict thing guidelines of you can't go in another player's room and you can't uh, play ping pong doubles because that doesn't do social distancing and stuff. And it's like you're you're taking all these measures, which look great, fine. But then why are we playing? Right. That well, defeats the purpose. Then you get on the court the and you're, there's no distancing. Yeah. So I, this whole thing, I don't know. From a health perspective, it still stinks. That's what I would be concerned about. That's what I would be worried about. Um, beyond that, uh, to me, I don't think that the the social thing. I get it. I get it. But um, that's something that I I would table. For either do still continue your stuff through social media, through videos, through uh, you know stuff inside the bubble. But to me, Kyrie, you know, you're talking about stuff that with the 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 games don't start for a month. You know, when are when are teams reporting? Mm-hmm. Teams reporting what in a couple weeks? I I don't know. So on Kyrie, man, um, you know, I think this is all complicated. I think. Uh, what I'll say about Kyrie is I think that in the many ways it's unfortunate. I'm not saying it's necessary. It is kind of his fault, but in a sense, I think people should be smarter than that. So I'm going to say partly it's not his fault, but his reputation is not giving him a lot of benefit of the doubt on a lot of this for some people, which is unfortunate because I'm always going to listen to someone who has a just, who's fighting for justice. Like, I think that it's whack that his reputation as a problem child and being difficult is being used against him in his fight for justice. I think that's outrageous. Um, I'm going to call it out. I think that Woj's um, headline about Kyrie the Disruptor and him painting him out of this one-man wrecking crew that he then walked back, that he then walked back. He walked back? Sports wow. I watched it on Sports Center. He he didn't walk the article back. He was like, he made a line like, like it's becoming it clear that Kyrie appears to be speaking for a way more number, a much larger number of players than previously thought. And I'm like, right. hmm. Well, that seems to be totally opposite from your reporting. We know Woj is the GOAT right now when it comes to sport, NBA reporting. But yeah. that, was, that was foul. That was, I'm going to pick uh, a story angle. I'm gonna pick a narrative that's gonna fit this story that I'm putting, and knowing what that, how that detrimental that would be, I thought that that was that was corny. I think that uh, Kendrick Perkins has been corny with his nonsense about oh, just shut up and play. Oh, uh, you, you would be in a distraction, like like uh, that, like I, I think that again, whenever anybody. Is speaking to real, um, you know, Stephen A. Smith saying, you know, this has nothing to do with social issues. You, how you could say you're not going to work because, you know, how, I, you know, black folks around black. If black folks couldn't, you were just gonna say they can't go to work because of racism. They wouldn't have gone to work for 200 years. And it's just like, like, you, I'm not gonna. What's happening out here is evil. Let's keep it 100. Racism is evil, and the idea that we're going to try to margin, minimize, and uh, and 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 demonize someone who has a view of how he wants to fight it because 
your precious basketball is not going to be played is a problem. That doesn't mean he's not he's above criticism. It doesn't mean that he's above, you know, people saying, hey, maybe I don't think this is the best way. But some of the personal that I've heard from the, from these attacks from Kyrie and Kendall, I'm a New York Knicks fan who cannot stand the Nets in this new Nets team they've put together. So if I'm saying this and you're a Celtic fan, and even though I may feel more okay with Kyrie, you're, you're also having, giving him his respect in this regard. If we can sit here and say this, then these people should be ashamed of themselves for how they presented Kyrie's stance. And I'll be the one to say, look, when I first heard this story, no contest, kind of not really knowing what's going on in here, Kyrie don't want to play. I, I, yeah, I was throwing the jokes. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, flat earther Kyrie who's not blown. His team can't play. They ain't going to make the playoffs, so you might as well blow up the league. Like, I, yeah, of course. It's, 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 it's funny. It's ironic. But then when, you know, you do the research and you look at what's happening and you got real people doing real takes. Jason McIntyre, real takes. Oh, he's doing this because LeBron's about to get his ring. Are you serious right now, dog? Black men are hanging from trees in in, in places in this country. Yeah. You have the you gonna you gonna make Kyrie's true frustration and true passion for racial inequality or racial equality rather, and you gonna tie that to your LeBron LeBron over Jordan take? That's the corniest BS I've ever seen. And, and, and it's shameful because I feel like it, I feel like a lot of this stuff is intentional because they're just trying to get to us seeing ball. But it's just, it just, it, 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 when I think about Kyrie and I, and I, you know, he's talked about again, struggled with mental health. And I hear how these people are just raking him through the coals, whoever's snitching on him, telling every time he has a meeting. Sending out the text to step. No, I'm not dissing Stephen Bondi because you know people are just telling them what he's seeing, hearing. I don't think he's amongst this group, but you know, you know, he has a call next 20 minutes. Stephen Bondi's got, hey, Tyree saying, let's start a new league. Like this stuff is intentional, dog. This should, this, this is, this is, this now, shouldn't be happening. Now, what I will say is like, I I agree. You know, I the players snitching stuff. Got one, it shows you, look, the players are a mess right now. Um, so that's true. The players are a mess. Uh, the player association's a mess. Because um, Kyrie's a VP. And, like, I it, it's tough because I don't know if, I, I agree, I don't think Kyrie, and there's some people out there that feel like Kyrie's one leaking all this stuff. And I'm like, I if he is, he's not making himself look that great. So I don't think that, I don't think he I mean, any To be fair, it's, it wouldn't be the first time Kyrie willingly opened his mouth and didn't make himself look great. That is fair. That is fair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it wouldn't be the first time he made a miscalculation with that deciding <laughs> I'm going to speak on something and think that it's going to turn out a certain way. <laughs> be keeping it a buck. Yeah, trust I'm me, defending I, Kyrie I would, through all this, well. but I'm keep, let's keep it a buck with what he, how he's been. But I, but I just I, I do feel like some of the players. Let's say I'm a player, and I have the same stance I've had on this show that, like, we should be out there playing, like, for the sake of the CBA, which, again, sounds kind of greedy, but, like, I mean, it's still these guys' livelihood, so it's hard for me to tell them, no, like, you know, you're going to shut down they, they, they face a doomsday. They face a doomsday scenario if they yeah, decide felt, not to play, and that's something that has to be discussed. Like, it's not just, oh, it doesn't matter. That matters. I agree. And, again, I'm not telling guys, I'm not saying... 
everyone shut up and play. I'm saying if you if you feel comfortable from a health perspective or and a social perspective, you feel comfortable playing, then you should be allowed to play. But we shouldn't say we gotta band together and not play. I think that that is too drastic. But if imagine if if you're if you're a player and you feel that way, how would you feel if Kyrie has all this energy about we we shouldn't play? We gotta band together and not play. You know, you'd probably be like this guy's a lunatic or this guy's gonna ruin it for everyone. Yeah, but I think the character assassinations where it goes a step too far. Yeah, and maybe look, and still as a union, you still should keep things in house. <laughs> you know, there's still ways you go about things that don't entail you calling Woj the first thing, first chance you get, but or Shams, but it, it's still, I don't know, like. And look, and, and look, well, here's what I'll say too, and I want to make this clear. Like, I think that in many ways, Kyrie isn't a perfect messenger that doesn't mean he, he shouldn't be or he can't be a messenger but he's not perfect a, a perfect messenger that does muddy this me- muddle this message um look i think that it is it it, it it does mean something that he's a player vp who approved this plan and when he had the chance allegedly had the chance to raise concerns the questions he was asking were all kind of vague and didn't seem to really have a point and maybe they did. Like some people are saying, actually, they did have a point. We look back into some of the stuff that they're uh, he's asked. They're now asking for the players' coalition. It's like, okay, but what's with the coded stuff? Like, it, it didn't seem like he really had much. He really, really didn't seem all that engaged in some of the concerns that are now being raised. Um, and that's not to say that you can't change your mind, but that is George Floyd was was unfortunately dead, and people were protesting for about a week or so since when. Minneapolis was burning when they were agreeing to this. So it's not like, oh, now I'm like, oh, I didn't know it was going to be all this crazy. Like, we saw where this was going. Um, I think that fact that he's an injured player. And now, again, we're hearing that he's representing a lot of people, so I get that. But, you know, an injured player who had already made a decision long ago that he was not returning, telling other guys, hey, you don't go out there and play. I, I don't know if that's necessarily his place, but... But he has a right to his opinion, and he, and he has a right to feel like if I'm the only kind of star player with clout and you know and a, and a high position on this board to make a voice, then then I got to do it. Then I get that too. Um, and I don't, you know, and I don't like the last second nature of it. I think that again, like you know, I'm not saying that you can't feel the way I understand how he's feeling. I, I don't know if I, I feel like you could just you know agree on a deal and then at the last minute when you they doing the last set of parameters getting it together you're like actually nah we got it we can't do this uh, that's gonna rub people the wrong way i'm not saying that that again you can't feel differently or change your mind but just understand that you're gonna be letting people down and i think that you got to be willing to understand that he says he's he said he's willing to lay it all down so if that's true then uh, uh and he should understand that but i don't think that that's wrong for it to be like oh you people shouldn't be upset it's like no people are gonna be upset they were told that's what's gonna happen and now all of a sudden the very last second, there's this move to suggest that there's not. And there are a lot of people right now who don't have a lot of joy and who don't have a lot of sense of happiness because of what's going on. So um, so all those are, are points against, are fair points against him. And again, all the stuff about the CBA. And the notion that Kyrie is a super, super high-paid player who uh, has made, you know, $200 million, you know, pretty much in the NBA. Like, I mean, the all court- that stuff matters. But it doesn't, but when, when you consider that, again, there are a lot of players who seem to feel his way, that, that some of that stuff kind of, like, some of the those points but, you kind of chip away at a little bit. 
so some of the quotes again, if these quotes are legit, I sometimes again I look and I'm like I get why these players are like looking at this guy even not. Yeah, because because they they they, like, they feel very happy. They they lack clarity. They're very vague. They don't I mean, seem to have a point. Day, I, I get it. I totally get it. Make real making or making any money anyway, <laughs> or really getting paid only about twenty guys, and I'm one of them. I'm like, look, I get his point again. I think Kyrie, I think his flack is, I don't think he likes that all the all the billionaire old white guys are the ones making the money, making the real money. And oh, I'm not sure why he determined that and learned that today, but I mean, look, man, again, a right. lot of the stuff that's it, happening is you know, making guys, people think guys, things. People are being opened. You know, to yeah. a lot of. I think he's. I think he realized. Wow, this is this whole system is kind of, you know, kind of whack. That's what he's talking about making a whole new league, and he's saying, "Look, only twenty guys." I mean, you know how warped you sound in today's society by saying, in today's climate, by saying only twenty of us are really getting paid when like there are eighty dudes out there with like fifty million dollar contracts. Yeah, yes. You know, like yeah. that. I mean, it means a private conversation, but yeah, that's that's not a good look. Public opinion. When you're saying only 20 guys in the league are really getting paid, and like, you know, Nick Batum is like the the 50th highest paid player in the league. He's got like a 60 million dollar contract. Yeah. So that those those are the type of things where it's like, man, like that's why some people are like, look, I maybe would jive with Kyrie if there weren't so many crazy things in there. So I don't know. You know, I, again, I, the premise. I again, I agree with you that like Kyrie, we shouldn't just you know knock on him because it's Kyrie. You know, because if this was uh, Steph Curry it, it, or, or Avery Bradley, because Avery Bradley's been saying the same stuff and way more clearly and way more eloquently, and nobody seems to have nobody seems to have bars for him. Yeah, you know, no, the way Howard has a lot of the same problematic history that Kyrie does, and nobody seems to have bars for him either. Yeah, yeah. So that tell, I, that's no, why that's why I feel like this stuff is kind. Of, that's why I said this stuff is corny because it's like it's it's your 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 again. Kyrie, very imperfect messenger. And I think they're picking on that because the other guys, and Lou Williams, I think, has also been very vocal and very clear, like, about... Because, like, those guys... When those guys start speaking, I start seeing, okay, I get what he's saying now. Because, again, the, the... And, again, I, the, some of this stuff, I think, was on purpose in terms of how the media portrayed it. But, again, some of these, these pull quotes, he was saying stuff, and I'm just like, okay, those are three different points that I all understand, but I don't know how they connect. And... I don't, and I think it would, I thought it would have been unfair and not it would have been unfair to me to try to make some kind of leap because I thought it was that confusing some of the things he was saying. Right. And like when you're in a conversation, you're just talking, you're passionate. Like I'm not hating on Kyrie for it, but it it's it, it falls in line with a lot of stuff he says in public, where it's kind of a lot of different thoughts that don't really all make sense and it's hard to put together. And 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 to me, when I started hearing those other guys, I was like, okay, I know exactly what he's trying to say now, and. Is the right move? I don't know. I can't speak to what I can't speak to what the risk is for you deciding to blow up the, the CBA because that's what's going to happen. But I know this fight is 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 worth fighting everything you got for that. I know. So if 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 this you feel like is a effective way, then I I can't I gotta support him. I'm not saying that I think that I don't know if this is the effect the right way. I I, I tend to think that there's a way they could really make a stand. And not blow up the CBA and still be, still make this a point. But, um, but but that's I'm not a player. I mean, I, I don't you know. Like he had, they have a right to do what they want to do. You know, right. what I'm, saying? I'm kind of taking myself out of it. I'm a fan who hasn't seen basketball. I'm just like, oh man, if I get something great, 
If these guys decide, yo, man, this racism out here is really serious and we need to address it in a serious way, and they feel this is the way to do it, then I'm like, all right, I'm a black man. So yeah, this is I, this is more important to me than even basketball. So I understand it. Uh, what I will say that I think we do also have to be careful with, like, you know, some, a lot of these, uh, thinking about a lot of the people, if we're being real, that we've heard uh, come out and speak against Kyrie. Again, mostly black people, if not all. Yep. But they have vested interest in the NBA playing. Absolutely. You know, I won't even name names, but all the people that you know that have been black. I've already people. named them. <laughs> so yeah, I've already named black people. Whether they work for TNT or for ESPN or work for another company, they all have a vested interest in the NBA playing. So, you know, <laughs> they don't get anything out of Kyrie and a bunch of players saying, you know what, no, nah, we're not going to play. We're going to cancel the season and the CBA is blowing up. Yes, they'll look at it and say, you're hurting yourselves. Um, but you're also hurting them at the end of the day. So that's where a lot of some. If you feel if you hear a lot of frustration in a lot of these people's voices, I look. Would I be frustrated from a fan perspective? Sure. Um, I'd be like, why do we push back the draft <laughs> if we're not going to play games? But, um, but at the end of the day, like, if there's no season. I mean, all right, it's it's unfortunate because I was getting excited for it, but uh, it's the safest thing to do, and maybe hopefully we can push up the draft now. But a lot of these people, if you hear the frustration, is wow. So we're gonna lose a lot of money off this thing, you know. Not just the players, but us. So, uh, I mean, look, that's that's um, it's funny how that works. Uh, but at the end of the day, I I do think that there is some legitimate like frustrations from fans if, if this doesn't go through. And my last thought on this, because I do want to touch on Austin Rivers' post, which we talked about a lot. Uh, a little bit, rather, uh, earlier. And like I said, I agree with a lot of stuff he was saying about, you know, um, you know, Kyrie makes a lot more money than a lot of these guys. Uh, that, um, that you know, by doing this, we really, 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 you know, put the, the future of the league in jeopardy for future players, bef- you know, coming after us and even guys who are still currently in the league. And all those things need to be uh, uh, considered. And that playing NBA games at this time when nothing else is going on gives you the ultimate ultimate platform. This is these are all these are all fair points. Nobody's right or wrong. It's it's all discussion, it's all healthy. I think that these that you know, just like again, there are parts of what Kyrie was saying that I don't necessarily see or agree with, but I I respect him and I respect his fight and I respect Austin for stuff he's talking about and how he sees that there's a positive LeBron that he had to play. And my I mean, thing is I know my position. Right. Um, but but the only thing I will say about Austin's post is the one thing I, I did, you know, vehemently disagree with was his point about, you know, you know, it, there's a chance that by us providing entertainment, a lot of African-American kids who maybe instead would be out getting in trouble could be maybe watching us play and maybe seeing the social stance that we take. I... I, 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 I see part of that, but I think that's still rather problematic because I feel like, one, I think that if we think that there's an issue that if we don't play basketball, black kids are going to be getting in trouble in the streets, that's a reason to protest. That's a reason to feel like there's an issue. That's a larger issue at hand that, that shouldn't just be, well, it's up to the entertainers now to go out there so we can get them off the streets. No, it, we have politicians, we have elected officials that have failed 
these cities and these com communities, and they are the ones that need to be held feet to the fire. The police in these communities need to have, have their feet held to the fire because of the, for for these instances where black kids are going out and getting in trouble because of nothing to do. Um, but also, I thought that it, it, it lost sight of the fact that if you look at these faces and you look at these bodies that are out here marching in these streets and protesting and raising their voice, there are a lot of young people, man. Like, and it's not just all black. There's a lot of white kids, a lot of you know, uh, you know, kids of all ethnicities. But there are a lot of young black kids, young black men, young black women, kids out there marching in these streets, and and the fact that there isn't anything else to do, and that they're like the like the fact that there is nothing to do, and therefore they're out in these streets is part of the reason why this has been progress so far. The fact that we've moved the needle has been because of these kids. So I. I I thought that that also kind of was a little short-sighted to say, well, you know, these kids ain't got nothing to do, so they watch this play. Like, no, these kids have been doing something. Like, these kids, I'm not and, and I'm sure Austin's been, he's clearly very supportive. I'm not saying he's not doing anything, but these kids are really carrying the movement in terms of being out on the front lines. And I think that we got to remember that, too. So if you go out there and start playing, maybe that's taking some kids off the front line. Maybe some kids that are out protesting, now out marching, may now they're deciding to watch that Lakers versus Clippers game. And that's the whole point of why these guys don't think that maybe we should they should play. And that's a fair argument. Again, nobody's completely right. Nobody's completely wrong. But yeah, like, all just points that's we gotta talk the, about. That yeah, that's there's a there's a again, like you said, there's a no right answer there. Um, like obviously, I think a lot of people still should be considering you know the health risk out people even being outside. You know, like that that obviously is also something we have to consider. Hopefully, yeah, the second sure. wave the worst, and you know. Um, but I don't know. We don't know. You know the, the whole. But that was always that's, that's always been the things that are a little uneasy for anybody. You know, may not for anybody, but at least for me and a lot of people uh, about seeing all these people outside. You know, in yeah, droves. I mean, it, I'll I'll be honest. It's kept me from being out in these streets. I feel like <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to use my voice, trying to use my my work, the you know, work I've been working on, um, to to give a contribution. But it's it's but. And you know, and to be fair, it's New York again. It's not as bad as those places, but yeah, this it's it's the coronavirus is obviously serious out here. So yeah, I mean, getting some people off the streets is uh is also in, in once as part of it in terms of the safety thing. But again, it goes both ways. You know what I'm saying? I, I see, I see that. I see both of those sides with that. Um, I think I think we should uh move on now with the with the last top story of this week. And man, if it wasn't oh actually not not the last week. We still got one more before we get to Mr. Uh, Gundy, but real quickly we should talk about uh Major League Baseball because that's been a mess. You think the NBA stuff's been messy. The M MLB has been messy over the past week. Um after initially saying he was confident there would be a season, uh continued barriers in the negotiations with the players union and a weekend breakdown of con uh, contract talks led Commissioner Rob Manfred to say he was unsure we'd see baseball this season after a few days of panic, uh, not just from the league, from the players union, but from the fans and from the media. Uh, Manfred and union press Tony Clark got together and hammered out what Manfred believed to be a, a, a soft agreement on a 60 game season that would have included full prorated pro salaries for the players and an extended postseason. Clark then came out and said that there was no agreement and the union today countered with an offer of a 70-game season uh, that would have had the same full-rated salaries, uh, full pro-rated salaries, and the extended playoff. Manfred has said uh, and maintained that 70 games was just impossible given the time where they're at right now and the safety issues. 
uh, and the owners at the end of the day can still have the option due to the agreement that was made in March that they could always just opt to this 50-game season that was uh, put together that you know the, the players do not want at all. So, uh, so this has been nuts. Uh, this conversation could change within uh, in terms of what's happening within the minute we start talking about this. But as it stands right now, Kendall, what did you make of kind of how this all fell apart and where we are today and where do you think it will end? Yeah, Major League Baseball, man. It's really sad. Um, it seems like they're getting close. Like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if something gets announced tomorrow. Uh, and then Tony Clark come out and say it's not true. <laughs> but, um, but no, nah, yeah, the fact that we've had multiple rumored agreements that have been have had to be shut down, you know, multiple proposals that have been shut down by the Players Association. Um, to me, I think that they, I think they're close. Um, I think Manfred, I think sees, I think he's seen that the past three days, I think there's been a shift in that everyone now is looking at him. You know, and people have looked at him before, but it's become it's becoming more and more clear that wow. Yeah, he was probably not, number one last weekend, the last yeah, earlier this week. There may not be a season, and if there is no season, it's because of Rod Manfred's greed. At the end of the day, Rod Manfred works for the owners, but um, he's the guy that everyone's looking at, and I think he wants to keep his job. So to keep his job while, yeah, the owner gets screwed on a deal. Honestly, I don't think the owners are going to get screwed on a deal. But um, if the owners don't get a deal they like, that's not great. But the court of public opinion is vital as a commissioner, you know. So as popular as you could be amongst the owners, if the if every if the all the fans of the sport hate you, I don't think you can keep your job. Goodell really tested that theory, and he kept his job. But it was always pockets of fans. It was never the entire league hated Roger Goodell. Um, this, if there's no season, there aren't going to be any fans of Rob Manfred. That just makes no sense. So like, oh, yeah, I'm rooting for the owners. I don't see games. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think. But I think he's seen. He's seeing that and. That he knows, all right, we got to get a deal done. So he's trying to, you know, extend his hand one more time, get the players back on the negotiating table, throw out the offers, and we'll see what happens. But I think I think we're going to play. I think there's going to be games. The fact that we're arguing over 60, 70 games, like, to me, makes it makes me more and more certain that we'll play. But, um, but uh, it's, it's just sad that we've gotten to this point. Yeah, it, it has been sad, man. Um, I don't really know. Um, this 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 has done damage, man. I don't I don't know in terms of how much damage and what will it mean overall. I don't know for sure, but Major League Baseball, man. And I I, I went on my rant a couple weeks ago. I'm not gonna repeat the, the rant, but you could just play it. And I feel the same way uh, as I do today. Uh, to me, it's 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 arrogance. It's uh, holier than thou. It's curmudgeonous outlook. All of those things are just rearing its ugly head in this particular fight. And it's kind of like it's it's kind of ironic and kind of fitting that 
baseball's plunge into being a second-rate North American sport is through its own arrogance and own stubbornness uh, because it's <laughs> it's what led them here to begin with. But the fact that it would then be the driving nail in the coffin if somehow they, they would have completely fell apart and not had a season just would have been poetic justice in, a, in the most uh, bittersweet and, and, and kind of disturbing way. I, I do agree. I think that they're going to hammer something out. I also feel like we're starting to hear more about the and the owners kind of you know you know dangling that fifty game season out there because I think that when they heard you know them say well you know maybe we'll just cancel the whole thing I mean people just lost it I was actually surprised I, I was actually a little surprised at how like crazed people became over that only because of what we're going through with the coronavirus stuff but again when I think people you know smell that it's a money thing and it's not a health thing. They smell through the BS, and, 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 and they just went after the Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred. And when they saw that, they were like, okay, I don't know if uh, canceling the season is an option. Now, if the players strike based on what we give them, that's a different story, and that's a that becomes a public appeals game that maybe they have a better chance of winning. They couldn't they, – they didn't have a chance of winning. We had a deal to play some games. We're not going to give you full money for the games you want to play, so therefore we're canceling it. That was idiotic, and I don't know why they thought that that was a negotiating place they could they had the strength to be in. It was really bizarre. So, um, so I, I tend to agree that we they will get some games, but I think that this whole thing has kind of you know has left a stain, and because of the delays and all the nonsense for the last several weeks, you know, the idea that we could have had an 80, 90 game season maybe just, you know, a month ago, and because of just, you know, the, the breakdown of the dollars and cents and, and just the, the, the stiff fight that we had over it, now we're going to get this, like, nonsense of a season. Not to say that 80, 90 games wasn't also nonsense, because that's, you know, similar to how I feel about, you know, seven-game series with, you know, base, with the NBA playoffs. Like, I, you, to me, a baseball season is not 80 games. Like, the whole point of, this, of the sport is that you got to play 162. Like, that's whole, like, that's part of the grind. So when you take away, take that away, the whole season is kind of, it becomes something different. It's not that it can't be good, it can't be fun, but it's not the typical baseball season. So, um, but I mean, 50 games, I mean, Jesus, uh, you know, the fact that even we're talking about 60 is like, okay, well, five, 10 more games, like, great. Like, this is going to be a joke. And baseball is only, as, only themselves to blame. And again, in a situation where, you know, we don't know what football is going to look like. We don't know if we'll have football. I think we'll have you know, a little bit about that later. But uh, and the NBA, you know, okay, it's, it's out there. But, you know, the NBA isn't normally played during the summer. Usually summertime is your time as we kind of, you know, sit through terrible preseason games. The notion that baseball is like actually considering just giving up its time to the NBA <laughs> like I, I can't. It's like all you do is laugh. Like you can't even. I can't even begin to kind of explain how absurd that is, and the notion that we can't afford ten or fifteen more games to pay you guys at the salaries you guys have, you know, negotiated. It's like mind boggling. Again, I, I went on the anger I had a couple weeks ago is just gone. Like I, I put that out there. Now it's just like I'm just befuddled. I'm like I don't even know what to make of that. That's crazy. Um, and it's crazy because uh, I'm watching. I was watching Long Summer of '98, and and which yeah, I, Long Gone Summer, yeah, yeah, Long Long Gone Summer, and and I I gotta give it a second watch. I I just had some Chick Fil A and I ate a lot of food and I was tired 
it was a little bit boring. It was, That's what it, someone said. I heard it was boring. Yeah, it was boring. Uh, there, I, I I was like, you know, I I was oh, I was wide awake for a good half hour and, and forty minutes and no steroid talk. I was like, yeah, apparently going? there was no steroid talk. Yeah, I, I was like, what's going on? And and I don't know, just you know, Sammy and Mark weren't nearly as engaging subjects as Me? Michael Jordan was, you know, or like so. I, I don't... Yeah, I, I didn't see it, but if if you're doing that documentary and you don't really dive into the steroid stuff, then why are you doing it's, it? It's, yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth you it. You know, like, I didn't see the Lance Armstrong one either, but I do know I've seen excerpts, and they dive into that steroid thing 200%. Yeah, it's because uh, like, it's, 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 it's essential to the story. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, it's, it's like, like, like to, to present that story without the context of, like, we're all sports fans, so, like... We all know the story. The what? Why we're watching this is because, oh, what's the inside stuff about? Like, you know, what was going on behind the scenes, or how they were feeling, and what they may have been doing that we didn't know at the time. That right. has been kind of revealed. Maybe they could, they could go more depth in depth with it now with this documentary, this this long form situation. Now that we're years and years removed from it, and yeah, like it, it was a waste. From what I saw, I'll give it another watch because again, I, I want to preface that I probably had a, a, a mini food coma, but uh, but but I, I, I was not that crazy about it. But I say well, that I only, to, I say that, that only say though that like interesting at this point outside of the steroid stuff. Yeah, exactly. Now, what I will say though, to be fair, when I hear those numbers like seventy home runs and same thing, when, yeah. when the MVP when they hitting sixty six home runs, I'm just like, yeah. what? <laughs> He, I mean, he, had tw- he had twenty home runs in June. Yeah, like I, mean, I was watching. I don't know. I don't think that's ever been done. Still, I think yeah. that's a, still a standing record. I was watching the MLB draft last week, and they were talking about one kid. He was like, "I mean, this kid's got a ton of power. I mean, he could be a forty home run guy." And I'm like, <laughs> 40 home runs. That's funny." <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember you know, Griffey was hitting fifty four, and he was like barely making the top five. <laughs> he got like crazy. So you know, it's it's uh it's it's. So yeah, that, that that wasn't the greatest, you know, documentary from what I saw. But I, what I will say is, um, you know, it did try to capture a lot of the excitement of baseball during that time and how like you know, how this was kind of the beginning of it, maybe kind of making its full rebound from the strike of '94 and to see like it was like really painfully ironic to have this come out the weekend that MLB's talks were falling apart it's like this is deja vu pretty much we're going back to 94 and are we going to need another steroid ever to get us back from that to get just to where baseball is now which is already a place not to mention uh, diminished stature the stuff with the Yankees and the (laughs) how they yeah that that wasn't a good look either yeah that that didn't that didn't look good (laughs) Pulling up the judge, uh, <laughs> the judge uh, quotes on Altuve saying, "Oh wow, this guy looks like the biggest hypocrite, man." Yeah, that, so, that, yeah, it was it was it was it's been a bad week. It's been a bad decade for baseball. Well, that's not a bad week. It's been a bad decade. It's been it's been ten years. They they fell off. They've fallen off for ten years. It's 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 it's, it's uh it's unfortunate. Um. Now we can finally talk about my my guy, not my guy, but a guy, Mike Gundy. Uh, I only jumped the gun earlier, but we gotta talk about the Oklahoma State football coach. That that is the job he has as of today. Um, how long will I guess be that'll be part of our discussion? But 
the, the coach found himself in a, what I think can only be described as a catastrophic situation at his program after his star yeah. running back, Chuba Hubbard, tweeted that he would not be taking part in anything related to the school until it addressed a picture of Gundy wearing a One America News t-shirt. I, I'm really, Again, we always like to say, well, I'm always going to speak about injustice and always going to speak my heart about things that are wrong. We're not a political show. It's not a politics show. But for the sake of giving the con- and with that context, knowing that you're not expecting us to give you us political analysis and that we don't talk about politics, there are probably people who listen to this pod and don't know anything about One America News or whatever they are because, you know, this is not a politics show. You're here for sports or maybe you're here for superheroes or whatever. So just a, a quick and and this I'm sorry if this sounds partisan, but this is what they are in terms of One News America or again, whatever they are. Uh, <laughs> OAN. I keep getting their name wrong. OAN, I mean, it's One American News. Uh, One American News is a, they, they are a far right news network. They have peddled conspiracy theories in the past. They have demonized um, fights for equality when it comes to black rights, LGBTQ rights, women's rights, um, economic rights, uh, environmental rights, environmental justice, they, all of it. They've, they've conservative Fox News on steroids, however way you want to describe it. This is like Fox News In on force. This ain't this ain't this ain't Fox News on steroids. This is Fox News on the Bane Venom. I mean, this is to even compare it to Fox News. I think it's like another level. I mean, this is some <laughs> really like niche stuff that they're doing over there, and they uh, unapologetically push the agenda and sing the praises of uh, Forty Five President Trump. So that's the context. You take that as it it, it is. None of those things I said are false. They're, they're true. It's you know. We're perspective whether or not their right to do those things is on you, but that's what they do. And uh, shortly after uh, that tweet from Hubbard saying that, you know, this was outrageous, essentially, and that, you know, this need to be called out and this need to be handled. Uh, he got several other former and current players to stand behind him and say, yeah, we support him. Justice Hill. And there, and there is, yes. And there is some nasty stuff happening at Oklahoma State. <laughs> it wasn't even just, yeah, we support our homie. It's like. Yeah, we've been feeling this way for a minute about homeboy. This wasn't this. They 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 were they they were just they were lighting up Mike Gundy, and you know a few hours after the tweet, I'll be honest, I was very disappointed when I saw that uh, Hubbard posted that video with Gundy and they're together and they're by the you know Oklahoma State culture sign and the guy you know they got a uh, homeboy from Hey Arnold breathing in the background shooting the video. <laughs> Like, you know, I, I, this, this that whole, uh, that the opposite of that was trash. But anyway, they do this video together and, you know, Gundy says, oh, we had a great meeting and I, I listened to these guys and there's a lot of change coming. And that's it. What do you guys say, Chuba and uh, Chuba? And, you know, Chuba apologized, which was just like, I'm not going to, I'm not hating on the kid. He he was brave to do what he did. I still think what he's doing, doing what he's done is legendary. But the apology, he shouldn't, he should have kept that. We didn't need that. Um it's great that he feels like he wants to be responsible for his words, and it's great that he feels like he wants to. He feels like he wanted to go about it differently. That's great for him, but he should know he did nothing wrong. Anyway, he apologized for calling on social media and not taking this to him man to man. Again, there's arguments he said that if it wasn't on social media, we'd probably never hear about any of this because they would have buried it. So again, he did nothing wrong, but whatever. Um, then Gundy, the next day, then put out a, a second hostage-looking video 
I mean, the first video looked like a hostage video. That's the only thing good about the last video, the first video, was that it did look like he was like a hostage. Like he's in yeah, there and Chuba's got the arms crossed. And but the second one, man, you want to talk about the hostage video. I mean, the the, the green screen background, the teleprompter, you know, it was him re- it was yeah, him reading the joint like it was awful, man. I'm not. Was, I'm not yo, he didn't I, like that. That's why that joint was so terrible. Because one, he's 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 reading lies. He's tell he's reading a teleprompter full of lies. Yeah. For number one, but number two, it was so bad that because he didn't, he clearly never, he never really read the statement because he didn't rehearse. He it. was struggling through like the statement. Like it was like he was clear. He was like he was like let me make sure I read every word I get out here because. This is the first time I'm reading this kind of statement. Yeah, the the sentences weren't coming out correctly. He was, he was like, how a normal human being would say a certain sentence is not how he was saying those lines. Because again, like you said, he's never seen it before, so he's seeing the he's reading it, and again, it it screams, I don't, I didn't write this, I don't care. Yeah, athletic director said, you got 24 hours to save your job. Read this. Our department helped me out. I'm saying what they're telling me to say because again, I want to keep my job. And, Just an and, awful then, and then you know, today they got more videos. He's with ESPN. I don't know how ESPN shot this joint, but they're in his house. He's talking about, yeah, man. Like when I did the research and I saw what they were talking about, Black Lives Matter. I was like, man, I was a dumbass to to wear that shirt, and and this was just I, I was so upset that I hurt my players. That was the biggest thing. Hurting my players was worse than losing games. Um, again, lies, <laughs> just like lies. And I didn't even talk about the lies in the first one. But the first one, he was like, you know, had I known about what OAN was about, I would have never have put on the shirt. Meanwhile, you can watch ten minutes of OAN. You know what they're about. Man. I'm, yo, Kendall, I'm telling you, I think I've only watched about ten minutes. Like I probably watched yeah. probably between ten and twenty minutes. And, and both times it was like, what is this thing? I feel like I, it sounds familiar, and I watch it. I turn, I'm like, oh, that's that channel that'd be bugging at the white house prefix and i read oh yeah right and i move on so like but it's it's like yo it's like you turn it on and it's immediate like you know exactly like you could turn on fox news and you may you know before you maybe you get chef smith and you're like this don't sound that bad or maybe you get you know wallace kind of doing his middle of the road game and you're like oh this isn't as bad as people say you know maybe you didn't watch the angle the the angle angle whatever her her ingram angle whatever her show is called or anything like you know but there is no Shep Smith. There is no, you know, Laura Ingram would be the moderate on this network. <laughs> like, it, like they, they just full on on their stuff from the get go. So I did. I didn't know what they were about. Again, lies. You know what they were about. You, you just for whatever reason you are either you either support it or you excuse it for it because they push an agenda that you like. It's very clear. So he's lying through the teleprompter. He's lying to ESPN. Um, and then, and, I, and I'm, I'm, what's unfortunate is I know they're trying to you know Chuba. I think again he's been just a just a model of bravery to me. I, th- I mean this kid is again I think he's, he's a legend for what he's done already. Uh, but like you know him saying man I just want to make change. I'm not a politician, but I I I know I can stand up for what's not right. And I know that what's been happening here and what um, what's been going on isn't right. Uh, then <laughs> you think it's bad as it stopped there. It could have stopped there and be like, yo, man, this is a bad situation for Mike Gundy. It got worse today, even before the, the videos coming out in the video with ESPN, because uh, former Colorado star linebacker Alfred Williams 
Uh, this guy's a college football Hall of Famer. He retold the story about how Gundy called him yeah. the N-word during a blowout win for the Buffaloes uh, as a player in 1989. Yeah, he that told Shannon Sharp. Yeah, and now he's told all the outlets. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, he at first he first told Shannon Sharp. He said he told Shannon Sharp said he said that on his mama and his kids. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah. and, and and Williams is now demanding an apology from from Gundy, uh, and, and and proof that Gundy has truly grown. And he says that if he doesn't get it, he has twenty people ready to vouch for his story. Um, can Gundy fix this? Can he survive this? That was a question I had to you when I first talked to you about this when this first dropped. And I told you if he had a job by the end of the week, I thought it would have been he would have been a miracle worker. He's been fumbling the bag through this whole thing. He has not been he's not acted worked smoothly during this week. I definitely feel like he's on tenuous ground, but I'm even still surprised he's here this long. Uh but he's still here, so it makes me kind of wonder. Okay, well, maybe there is some ground where he can save his job somehow. The players, I yeah, the the players coming out now, or at least initially, and kind of defending him, not defending him, but like you know, saying our you know, where change is coming. That's all really all they've said. But like you know, they haven't come out and you know, if Hubbard said no, screw that. Like you got to come out and apologize, denounce OAN. And maybe maybe we'll talk about it, but and maybe that's what he did. But it didn't feel like it. Feel like again, we had this situation where Hubbard ends up apologizing instead of Gundy. Uh, but because of that, I feel more confident maybe than I did before that he was going to come back or that he could come back. Um, but yeah, look, I I mean, when you told me that you thought he'd be out in a week, personally, I thought that was a that was a quick timeline. Um, just because Gundy feels like a little too high profile of a guy at Oklahoma State, you know, we're not talking about uh, Rutgers, for example, uh, <laughs> at Oklahoma State. It was going to be a tough sell to, to get those guys to fire him that quickly over this. Um, I was surprised that Hubbard kind of, I don't want to say he caved, but, you know, he he's talking about putting his foot on the gas, and like Skip Bale said, he kind of put himself on in neutral, which, I mean, it's fine, but, you know, that's, it's, uh, it's not going to institute the change that maybe uh, is probably necessary. Just to speak um, on that real quickly, I think it's because Truba has a good heart. And I think while he, he made the threat, I think he truly does want change for the, for the community and for the school because he probably does love the school and love his team. I think that's why he said, okay, I'm going to give him a chance. And if that means I even got to kind of take a step back, I'll do that. And that's kind of, I feel like in the quotes I've seen from him in the recent interviews, that's the impression I'm getting. He's saying, nah, we, our foot is on his neck, but we got to we, we gotta give him a chance to, to, to do something before, you know, like, and you could argue maybe he, Gundy didn't deserve that. I would argue he didn't. But I, right. Chuba is, I think, a man of high character. And I'm not to say they're not high character if you don't feel that way, but I think his character is making him feel like, I'm, I want change. I just don't want vengeance. So I want to see this man who he, he feels some way about. He went and played for him. I want to see this yeah. man change. I want to see how this man growing will help other black kids. I think that's his mindset. And I respect it. I might not agree with it, but I respect it. Yeah, the Gundy, the Gundy, the Gundy, you know, 
when he was in college uh, situation, um, it's it's uh, it's it. Honestly, the first thing you think about is the Mason Rudolph situation. Like, wow, so Gundy was another Mason Rudolph back in the day. <laughs> um, as sad as that is. Uh, oh, not not to uh, insinuate Mason Rudolph did anything that. <laughs> he hasn't done, but he maybe has been accused of certain doing certain things, similar to what Mike Gundy uh, was accused of. But um, it's still uh, still a situation where I look. If you told me that was the case, given everything that we know, that if you told me the guy wearing the OAN shirt when he was playing college football called a guy an N word during the game, I'd be like, wow, I'm shocked. You know, no sarcasm there. <laughs> what? Well, no, but it's. So that's why, you know, it's sometimes there are certain things that are that are just in character. And again, I don't know what happened and what didn't, but because of all those things, it really is only two things, wearing the OAN shirt and having a guy saying, oh, yeah, back in the day you called me the N-word, plus some other people maybe saying the, 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 the situation there hasn't always been the best. Um, that all adds up to... Mike Gundy, not, and again, those are just two situations, not to mention the Chinese virus stuff and the snowflake comments and other things, uh, that he's just not a guy I would ever, I would ever play for or would ever, you know, advise anyone to play for. Um, and I wouldn't want to that coach my university or my school, you know, my favorite team, but look, uh, the, the optics and the, the, or the demographics in Oklahoma and the, the Oklahoma State administration and the boosters all that stuff is still relevant and while the players still hold a lot of cards here the the relationship with the boosters and stuff is still an interesting dichotomy it's still an interesting thing because and you know even like a lot of the jokes were all you know hubbard you know he uh he he got a message from the boosters you know it was something along those lines you know and it's like obviously that's probably not what happened but it's it's still that's still always the weird, the weird thing about yeah I mean yeah the players here say I'm not gonna play but like at a school at Oklahoma State I feel like there's other things I play that make that harder that make that a harder decision so I don't know this is interesting at the end of the I mean, day they say that but at the end of the day those people care about money and pride in a lot of ways they knew Chuba is the bag for them so he's saying I'm out. You start to you start to read the consider just like Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy, look in in the 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 network that he says that today he's disgusted by in April. He said, "I tell you what's funny. I was slipping through stations. I found one. I don't even know if anybody knows about this. It's called OAN. It's One News America, and it was so refreshing. They report the news that's not commentary. There's no opinions on this. There's just, there's no left. There's no right. They're just reporting the news." And I've been watching them the last week because they've given us the news and given us more information, in my opinion. Some of the positives are coming out. So that was refreshing. Yeah. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I, like, like, fam, you, you didn't just realize that they felt a way about Black Lives Matter being a criminal organization. This is not the first time you're learning of this. And if... Somehow during that week of news, you say you watched it for a whole week. It's somehow during the week that didn't come up. I feel like you could have watched 
a lot of other stories that would have made you realize how they probably felt about something like Black Lives Matter, like players kneeling, like players protesting, like racial injustice, like brutality of from police officers. I'm pretty sure you would have got a clear picture. And he didn't say, Kendall, that this was my opinion on how I feel about, like, I agree with their opinions, and I I feel like, you know, they their commentary is, is, is accurate. He said, they spit facts. <laughs> he yeah. said... So when we talk about the stuff that OAN has 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 talked about, and he says, "Nah, they they, they spit the facts. That's why I like them." And then today you're saying, "I had no idea what they represented, and now I'm disgusted." Those are lies. There's no way to describe it. Those are clear lies. Why you're lying is I I'm going to interpret it, but that's for you to explain. But you're clearly lying. Now, you could say my player's perspective made me realize that a lot of the stuff that they were spewing was very distasteful and very insulting and very hurtful. That would have been a more believable line of thinking or a line of explanation towards where you are today. The I didn't know this was happening when five, three months ago you said you watched it for a week. And it's been a coronavirus pandemic and everybody's trying to watch the news to figure out what's going on. And you can't leave the crib. I know you didn't stop watching OAN as soon as that press conference ended. You you wore the shirt yesterday. (laughs) So, So I'm just saying, yes, these guys have their opinions, but their opinions change drastically. And they're willing to denounce and just run away from these opinions once it means hurting their bottom line. So when we talk about not just Gundy, but the OA, but the boosters who we we surmise may feel similar because of the demographics at play and the geography at play. Though we don't know for sure who the boosters are, Oklahoma State, but they're you know considering college football and, and again the geography and demographics. There's okay, likelihood. T Boone picking. Yeah, was the the number one booster. Yeah, so 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 you know there there are Last there there are assumptions team. that are made. That may feel valid, that are valid probably. But regardless, again, once the bag gets threatened, it, anything is at play. So when we talk about oh, like you know, he's taking a stance, but will these boosters really be for it? The problem, and this is what I go back to with when we talk about the whole Kaepernick and Trump thing. The NFL made a they made a, a cultural that a cultural decision that was racist, and they made a um a monetary calculation that this guy is going to hurt business. Therefore we're going to ban him essentially. And now today the players that are saying they're going to do the exact same thing that Kaepernick was doing years ago. And now the idea is, Oh, we support them. We're going to encourage them. We encourage you to even sign Kaepernick. It's all changed because the money has changed. The, the support behind these mo- the movement is totally it's all different. People have 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 evolved in four years, or people or or the people that were quiet are rising up to lift up the people who were talking about the injustice. So now when you look at the the landscape, it looks a little different. You're like, I may feel a certain way, but you know what? If I want to run a successful business, I might have to consider something different. It's just like when the Montgomery bus boycott happened, and the the Montgomery you know, bus company wasn't, oh, we're, you know what? 
gosh darn it, you guys are right. We're being racist. We should let you guys on the bus and let you guys sit wherever you want. No, they changed because they saw what happened when there was a mobilization of a movement and they saw, oh, snap, a lot of black people ride our bus. And without those fares, we're, we're, we're short. We're short, on the, we're short on our money. We're short on, on our bag. We're, that's affecting now our livelihoods. We need these black people. So I, I might be a racist, but I need the money. So come on in. It's the same thing with this. So we say, you know, will these boosters who may feel a certain way, you know, kind of get in the way? Of, I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll, there's, always a, no, like, there's always a fight towards against establishment. There's always going to be some kind of fight. But the, the strength of that fight and the willingness of that fight changes when the money dynamic changes. And the money dynamic has drastically changed over recent uh, years and investing in the recent weeks. And, and uh, Chuba was smart for understanding that and, uh, and, and making a stance. I, I, again, I respect that young man so much. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be Oklahoma State's recruiting is not going not gonna, to, it's going to take a hit. Just like we talked about Dabo Sweeney. You think, uh, you think recruiting will not take a hit? No, it's gonna take a hit. Oh it's yeah, they're gonna get crushed. I, I would. You said it before. I would never send my kid to play for uh, Oklahoma State ever. Yeah. So and and I know I was, I I was kind of leaning that yo we should really consider Clemson. I don't know if I would send. I like and I even that was kind of suspect because we felt man with what they've done and people defending Dabo and and Dabo's relationship with kids and how many kids do love him that you know maybe that was harsh. It, there ain't no gray area here. A lot of yeah. black people are going to feel how I feel that I would never send my kid to play. And then again, time. beyond the gray area with, with Dabo, it's also just because again, I, I mean, I feel Dabo a certain way, but uh, that even I've known this for the last three years. But if you would have told me three years ago that you know Clemson was going to offer me a scholarship on the football team, would I have said no? I mean, I probably would have still done it, um, just because it's still an it's still an incredible opportunity. Now, of course, that's. It it would not be number one on my list if I was a recruit or if I was advising a recruit. Um, wouldn't be number one on my list, but it would be up there above schools that don't have the same facilities, don't have the same you know track record getting guys in the NFL. Oklahoma State has none of that. I mean, they may have facilities because again they have a lot of money because a lot of strong boosters, but yeah, but it's, it's not Clemson. It's not Clemson. They don't have Mike Gundy. I, you can't tell the difference between him and every other coach in the Big Twelve for the most part. So. Uh, always, especially not in the SEC or the Pac-12, some of the other competing conferences. So, uh, they're going to take a major hit. All those guys that were going to go to Oklahoma State, they'll go to Colorado. <laughs> they'll go go play for Mel Tucker. They'll go to, you know, Purdue. They'll find a place to go to that's a middle of the road school. They'll go to Kansas with less miles. But they, why would you go to why would you go to Oklahoma State unless you're an Oklahoma kid that isn't being recruited by Oklahoma? And you're not being recruited by like Texas, and you're just like, I want to stay close to home. That's the only scenario. But massive, 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 uh, you know, really just tough look if, if you're Oklahoma State. And again, like, this is a, a program or a university where I think you want to know why part of the reason why I think that the athletic director was so, was so vocal in his, you know, kind of, I don't want to say disgust, but, you know, in, in his concern. For the situation was, you think about the fact that he's also been dealing so closely with Mike Boyden, the black coach. You know, 
who's done a great job. You know, the the on the court success hasn't been always there for for Mike Boyden, but in terms of being a face of the program, he's been excellent for Oklahoma State. Who would have thought a black coach at Oklahoma State would do well? You know, in terms of being a popular figure, but they love him down there, and you know they're dealing with a rough time, and he's really kind of still galvanizing the fan base around Oklahoma State basketball through the toughest time they probably had from a university perspective. You con- you contrast that with then this clown Mike Gundy going fishing in an oil during a social crisis and a health crisis, and you say to yourself. Wow, it's hard for me to back this guy. Even if, even if you honestly don't care politically, you're just like, man. I mean, I don't really care. But you, it, just the, just the stupidity. You're like, how am I, how am I going to defend this guy when, and yet, then I have to go to Mike Boyton and explain to him, yeah, why I'm going to keep Mike Gundy. Mm. Nah, it's all true. It's all true, man. You killed that. It's a, uh, it's a new day, and. You know, for these clowns that are saying, you know, well, what, uh, you know, how do you, do you know, he like, okay, he, he watches OAM, but does that mean he has to coast on everything they say? Do you agree with everything that said, said on MSNBC or CNN? Um, you are an idiot if you say, if you use that kind of line of questioning, Doug Gottlieb. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Doug Gottlieb, I'm going to say it, I'm because that's idiotic. Um, you, you lack intelligence, you lack any idea of IQ. Um, and you're just peddling uh, whatever you're peddling. I'm going to leave it open-ended. But uh, it takes someone with a low IQ and low intelligence to watch OAN and watch CNN and say, these are two sides of the same coin. Right. That's that's just, you're not intelligent. My thing is, you could even feel, you could even be a right winger and like OAN, but they wouldn't even tell you they're CNN. Like, like that's just, I either haven't done the homework or I'm so committed to my uh, dog whistling to do this fake both sides game in the Trump era to keep the the Trump supporter sports fans engaged and supporting me that you sold your soul. And it's it's rare that I go after somebody like that, but he deserved special bars for his nonsense. And the tweet about we you know they 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 want to they want to play rap music with curses and sag their pants. That's their demands. Demean uh, women, yeah. And uh, that uh, of the of the team when they got to Gundy, they said what they want. They said they want to play rap music and, and sag their pants and wear do rags. And and. You, I, hope, I, I, I hope this guy. I hope he. I hope. I really hope he's proud of himself when he looks in the mirror. With that, that, that was kind of that was disgust, a very, that kind read, of disgusting commentary. And he ended it with saying no sarcasm. And and then and then guess what? The players in that team said this is false. First of all, <laughs> not true. Fake news. And it was white players saying, "We as white players have made demands." That also aren't these things, and I'm not gonna let you spin this to make my black friends and black teammates and black brothers look like this. Cause guess what? Everybody sees what that looks like, Doug. Yep. I'm telling you, it's one of the one of the things that frustrates me during this time period is when I look at the landscape of sports media and I and 
I'm I, I you know me, Kendall, and and it's the reason why I don't really name names on the show when I feel a way about how someone something what something says someone says because I don't like player hating. I think that that's fundamental when you you're in this you're in this role you're trying to get to a certain place. I think that you wouldn't want someone play hate on you, so you shouldn't play hate on someone else while you're trying to be on the come up. But when you use when you got these guys who use their platform to fan the flames of racism, to fan the flames of or to or to gaslight in order to um to stop progress. It takes a special level of a bad person to do that when it involves children and it involves kids. And it sucks because Doug Gottlieb speaks mostly about kids when he's doing this garbage. Because he's not, a, he's not a, you know, yes, he has a sports show or whatever, but he's focused a lot on college basketball. But this same garbage, racist commentary that he spews regularly it, it, the fact that it, it, it's 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 at the it's at the detriment of kids eighteen to twenty two years old. You're a clown, dog. You're a clown. Let's rock the show, Ken. What we got? Yeah, man. Um, so I was gonna talk about you know Dr. Fauci saying so the NFL we probably shouldn't play football this this fall because obviously the second wave. Uh, it's probably coming if you even want to call it a second wave. Uh, but that's, that's a depressing topic. Um, you know, he's saying they got to be in a bubble. I don't know how you do a bubble for a whole season. Um, you can't do a bubble <laughs> for a whole season to answer my question. Um, it would have to be shortened. But uh, this is a depressing topic. So we're going to talk about something a little more lighthearted to end the show, especially since we've already we just spent, you know, 15 minutes talking about Mike Gundy. <laughs> um so a Twitter account, the NBA Central, put out a post that's generated a lot of buzz, a lot of conversation. Uh, they they put out a picture, as a lot of tw- these Twitter accounts have, of pick the three best of something. For them, they put out, pick the three best college point guards here. And I'll give you, it was nine pictures. DJ. I'll, give you a, I'll give you the nine pictures. It was Steph Curry uh, at Davidson, Lonzo Ball at UCLA, Trey Young at Oklahoma, De'Aaron Fox at Kentucky, Kemba at UConn, John Wall at Kentucky, Derrick Rose at Memphis, John Morant at Murray State, Chris Paul at Wake Forest. Those are the nine, EJ. What's your three? I tell you, that's, that's a good list. That's a good list. Um, that's a good definitely, list. Definitely, definitely a good uh, way to end the show after after the heat <laughs> I just had on the last segment. Um, if I'm picking three, uh, I'm going... I'm going Kemba. Kemba's got to be on the list. Yeah, I think he's a must. I think only going... only national champion on the list. So he's got to yeah, be. Yeah, it's true too. Uh, I'm going Kemba. Uh, I'm going... I'm going to go John Wall. Wow. Okay. I can see John Wall. The third John spot is Nash. tough. The third spot is tough. But I'm I'm going to give the edge... I'm gonna give the third spot edge to Steph Curry, slightly wow, over Steph Derrick Rose, but John Moran's right me, there too for me. But I, I'm, I'm gonna go. Yeah, with, I'm gonna go with Steph because I, I feel like they both had great runs in the tournament. Um, 
Steph had multiple that were longer. Yeah, and 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 Steph, with the fact that he was carrying a, a team that was you know clearly not to the level of the team they were beating. I, I think I would lean. I think I would lean Steph, but it's close, man. These are all these all these guys were <laughs> nasty. Right. Yeah. So for for me, I'm look. I think I agree. I think Kemba's got to be a lock. He's got to be the first name. Um, we're talking about again a guy who won a national championship. Uh, and while it wasn't the best season, uh, it was. I, I mean, that was the season John Wall was playing, right? Or was that the? Uh, that... I'm not sure. It's quite... no, yeah. Actually, no, 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 no. It wasn't year after year because he was in the Brandon Knight draft. Yeah. He, yeah. Exactly. But um, but still, it wasn't the best year of college basketball. But still. Won a national title uh, with a, a let's face it, a, an undermanned UConn team. It didn't have a whole lot of talent around him. You know, had probably a similar amount of talent to a lot of the other guys. You know, besides maybe Jai and uh, Steph Curry. We're talking like a Trey Young or Alonzo or somebody or Chris Paul. Um, I think Derrick Rose to me has got to be on the list, man. To get his team, I, to I national, see, I see, team. I see that. I understand it. Yeah, I I'm a Memphis fan, but like. Derrick Rose, he was number one pick in the draft. I, <laughs> the only one that was the number one pick in the draft, besides John Wall. Yeah, and John Wall was also number, one, so that's fair. Uh, and then John Wall, I think to me, I think it's between John Wall and John Morant personally. Um, I can see Steph Curry. I guess Steph Curry because it's like if you're going to consider John Morant, you kind of have to consider Steph Curry. Um, I do feel like I don't know. There's something about the fact that Steph Curry kind of. I don't say he wasn't a pure point guard or what. I don't know what. No, it no, was. that's fair. He wasn't a pure point guard. I think that's a fair statement. I thought about that too. Wasn't a pure point guard, especially not till the end. But, um, you know, he kind of like John Morant. It was different, you know, because I maybe it was just because he averaged, you know, twenty points, ten assists, you know, and that's what Trey Young did as well. But Trey Young just lost too many games. You know, his team, you know, wasn't that good. So I don't know. I'm gonna go with. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna go with John Morant over John Wall. Um, I think you're bugging. Yeah, I, I pro- I'm probably bugging. You know, John John Wall was incredible. John Wall's you know? after a triple double in the OVC. <laughs> you know it's true. You saw what he was doing to the, to the best schools in the country. John Morant was too good for me. John John Morant is a bad boy, and you know I love John, but college John Wall in Ohio Valley, I don't want to know what those numbers look like. Yeah, I mean, John Morant and John Wall are very similar players. You know, know, I think John Wall's impact would have been probably similar to what John Morant had, but he was a freshman, you know, which would have been even more impressive. But, um... Doing it at Kentucky, I think when you talk about impact in terms of, like, the culture of college basketball, John Wall can be overstated, him being kind of the first face of Kentucky basketball under Calipari, um, and really making it cool to go to Kentucky. Uh, first guy to, to make it cool to go to Kentucky since, you know, Jamal Mashburn or Antoine Walker. Um, so it's, I mean, that can't be understated. And, you know, maybe we won't see the jo- the John Morant effect probably for another two or three years if we start seeing guys go to smaller schools or more superstars come out of smaller schools. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I Personally, I don't think De'Aaron Fox should be on the list. You know, I don't know if there's another guy. I don't, think Lonzo, I don't think Lonzo Ball should be on the list. 
Personally, I don't think Lonzo Ball is really on the list. I mean, I know he's number two pick in the draft. You know, he had a lot of hype, but he's not in the conversation to me. Um, Trey Young deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah, Trey Young's numbers are just absurd. But he was, yeah, he was absurd. So, but this was still a good list. Um, I I don't know anybody that was left off where I'm like, wow, you're not even going to consider this guy. But then you're going to love my guy, Kevin Pangos. (laughs) Joe Jackson. Where's Joe Jackson, man? (laughs) Where's Johnny Flynn? I will say this, though, man. Like, looking at that list uh, and looking at Kemba, it kind of dawned on me that, you know, you always think about, like, that the quintessential college basketball point guard. Like, you know, every generation has one. Um, You know, your your Bobby Hurley. um, You know, there's... there's, Jay Williams. Jay Williams. Yeah, uh, who are some other guys? You know, maybe maybe older guys. Who <laughs> Mateen Mateen Kalees. Yeah, no, you know, yeah. when you think about these guys, like none of them ever usually become superstars. It's ironic that two of the guys we named actually had terrible motor act, motorcycle, motor vehicle accidents that kind of ruined their careers. Yeah, but sad. like they're almost like they're almost like the college, they're they're almost like what the college football quarterback was in like yeah, the Heisman Trophy, the nineties and like early two thousands. You know, like now like those guys are actually nice and they when they go to the NFL they're nice. Yeah, back in the day, like the Heisman Trophy, the guy was he never did anything in the NFL. Danny you know, Yeah, those guys was always those guys was always mediocre by the time they, they got to the big leagues. But it's kind of oh, crazy. I mean, I, it, it, you know, point guards are kind of the same way. And, you know, Kemba's like, you look at him, it's like, man, this guy, he he's a star in the NBA. <laughs> like, he's not your typical college point guard. But the notion that he fits in that mold for, for this generation, and, now, you know, he was trending on Twitter because of this conversation. Because right. when you think college basketball of that generation, however, how many years you want to put, if you're thinking point guard, he, he's got to be the first guy you think of. He's got to be. What you he did that season the- was Unbelievable, Darren Williams. I feel like this. D Brown. Yeah, but I think that that's well. Chris Paul's on the list. Ah, uh, that's what I'm saying. I see Chris Paul, and I'm like, maybe Darren Williams instead of some of these other dudes like De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I I, I don't I, I I well here's what I'll say. I think that you know part of this is like you know engaging fa- the fans of today. So right. you know, everybody knows Chris Paul. I'm sure there are a lot of fans who actually don't know remember Chris Paul at Wake Forest. Um, right, right. It's funny because Chris Paul actually never got like the tournament run he probably should have had to like get that like billing as like that like kind of iconic point guard. But I just remember him like in the ACC with a Wake Forest team that was like right? that was good, but like you know it was still kind of undermanned and like him just like torching these kids as a freshman. And being like, yo, this guy is special. <laughs> like, you look at this kid, like, yo, this guy, like, he's carrying this team, and like, he's just like the quintessential leader. Uh, he was, he was, he was, he was no, he was, he was no joke. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess you could make a case for, for Darren. I just feel like, you know, Darren's not in the league, and and he's kind of become a forgotten man. So, you know, people, I think, you know, as soon as he's on this list, you know, the jokes, people line up their jokes about Darren Williams, which is unfortunate because, like. Darren Williams was a bad boy, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, his career fell off before Chris Paul's, and Chris Paul is still, you know, a star player. But, Bleacher uh, Report. Yeah. Bleacher Report did a list of the best point guard, college point guards of the 2000s, and they didn't have Derrick Rose uh, on the list. 
he was an honorable mention. So that's nonsense. I yeah, I mean, it's that. probably nonsense. Um, yeah, if you look at Darren Williams' stats as a college player, like like he never averaged more than fourteen points. Yeah, he did looking have Darren Williams. At, look, looking at his numbers, it's kind of crazy. He could be, he was like the number three pick in the draft. I know he was nice, but we know he was about you know twelve points, seven assists. He played on a great team. He played. Yeah, on a great the team. team was undefeated. You know, so I mean like, that's true. But he got like, a lot still, of, like he got a lot of on that team. But I think considering like how he was such a numbers guy when he got to the NBA, like kind of looking at his stats now, it is kind of crazy to be like, oh wow, his numbers are kind of pedestrian. Like again, and he wasn't like, oh, he was a freshman who was put like he was a three year guy. This is his third year he's putting up these numbers. You know, yeah. he's shooting forty three percent from the field. Like none of this stuff looks jumps out on the page at you, you know. Kemba he, three. I remember he. Was, I remember he was an assassin in terms of a clutch shooter. I I do remember that. I remember like man, this guy. Seems like every time the, the chips are down, here comes Darren Williams, uh, with a big shot. So, but like it's kind of funny when you look back, like how that was really good scouting. That to me is we're going to practices and we're seeing oh when he gets in practice he's lighting up D Brown. That's that's what that <laughs> is. Because, again, he was nice when you watched him play, but I don't see these stats and see number three pick in the draft or whatever he was. That's the, we've seen him in off-season workouts. We've seen him in, in open runs. The word is out. <laughs> we've seen him in practice. We, 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 got, we got some more intel on this kid. The, the, only, the only other guy you could have put on the list uh, from recent years that you could have entertained were Kyrie. He didn't play enough games, obviously, but... <laughs> played enough games. So, yeah, didn't play know, enough games. We're incredible, and um, and then I, you know, I think you'd also you can potentially entertain Damian Lillard, but you just never played in the tournament. So, yeah, yeah, not enough visibility. Yeah, not enough visibility. And Jimmer, honestly, he's another guy. Jimmer could have been on the list. Jimmer, Jimmer should Jimmer should have been ahead of uh, Lonzo. Both of those guys, De'Aaron, certainly Lonzo De'Aaron Fox. If we're talking about just like. Marketability. College, yeah, college basketball and the name. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jimmer was Jimmer was a huge brand in college basketball. He was the Tim Tebow college basketball. I mean you could have put him over De'Aaron Fox. Like De'Aaron Fox wasn't really that big a name until they played Lonzo in the tournament. Yeah, it was just like, hey, if you didn't watch the regular season, this guy actually really outplayed ball yeah, in that game yeah, that they, they lost. He's gonna be a top five pick in a couple yeah. months. Yep. Yeah, so, exactly. But nobody knew he really nobody that didn't really watch college basketball heavily really even knew who De'Aaron Fox was. So I mean obviously, you know, I think now we know now, yeah, the guy the kid was a very good player and had a had a great freshman season. But um still a very interesting list though. Jameer Nelson was ahead of Nelson uh, Kemba on that list for sure. On the Bleacher Report list. Jameer um, Nelson was nasty. I mean, I'm not. I would disagree, but I'm not gonna fight them on that. (laughs) Senior Jameer Nelson was a problem. Yeah, nobody could stay in front of him. How far did they get? They get to the Elite Eight. Yeah, and they lost to Oklahoma State in uh, the Elite Eight. Uh, Tony Allen and Eddie uh, R.I.P. Eddie Sutton coached that team. Yeah, I was so tight because I I like that St. Joe's team, and you know, prayers of course to Dante West and. You know, I don't know where he is even, but I really hope he's getting the help he needs. But um, I was tight because I just remember, like, 
like being like, yo, this team is really fun. Like, and again, undefeated team. And, you know, whenever you got these teams and kind of like the non-major conference teams that go on this run, you're kind of like, oh, are they really this good? And here they are. They've, you know, washed everybody in the tournament up until this tough matchup against a really good team that's a top team in this, in the, in this, you know, they were, I think Oklahoma State was like a three seed at that point. And that was a good game. I remember that being a very close game. Uh, and they couldn't get it. They couldn't squeak it out. But, man, Jameer Nelson, college Jameer Nelson was a problem. Like, he was really good. So I get it. I can't. You, to me, I, what Kemba did at the Maui. What Kemba's thing was so crazy because he started the year with the Maui. The Maui. Yeah, people don't understand, man. If you watch that Maui invitation, <laughs> yeah, okay. Kemba was Kemba was bugging in that Maui invitation. I always say, man, I picked UConn to win the national championship that year. Like, and then he did know, it in the Big East tournament. <laughs> yeah, like if you watch the Maui and you watch the, the Big East tournament, you knew who's going that national championship. It's like, yo, if there's a one game elimination kind of deal, yo, he he wasn't losing. <laughs> like he like that's what I'm saying. He's like the he's like quintessential college point guard. Like the notion of college basketball being like, man, if you got a guard who just is tough as nails and is going to be able to get where he needs to go and he's going to make the right plays to win at the end. Like the picture is Kemba Walker in the dictionary. Like that's yep. who he was. He was that, like that, like caricature, that like ideal that you think of when you think of college basketball and tournament play and and guard play being essential. Kemba like did all of it. And he did it three times. Yep. And like, yeah, and you, you were talking about how like you picked him to win. It was like if you seen them do it, you know what's what's gonna happen. And he was special. Like it's it's really hard to put into words watching. Again, that Maui was crazy, and then to see them kind of flounder in the regular season because again, the team was not that good. <laughs> they're playing know. the Big East, so they're playing against good teams. But then again, he got to the Garden four games and like, four nights, no problem. Man, legendary. He took out Kawhi in the tournament. Took out yeah, KD he did. State. Yeah, they were top seed. <laughs> yeah, that team was good, man. Yeah, Kemba, man, special player. I so feel I'm like gonna, I, I feel like the only at, thing Kemba missed was a a, a big a, like a big performance in that championship game. That that championship was so terrible that like yeah, it's an like, unwatchable. We, 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 like we play we play replay more of that like second round Big East tournament game than like the Final Four. Yeah, that because the tournament was so bad that year, like in the Final Four in the national championship game. But but like still. Again, Kemba, absolute legend when it comes to college basketball. I'm hoping, I obviously, you know me. I'm hoping he has his moment in the NBA. You know, yeah, he had, yet. He, he's had it. He's had like, you know, he I, now I think he can he can smell that stage that he's had with Boston. You know, I'm, I'm hoping. I mean, you know, as a Kemba Walker, you know, fellow, you know, Catholic high school basketball player, and during the time uh, I was playing, uh, former opponent. <laughs> what do you say? Former opponent. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, 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 I, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to see him do well. I always root for Kemba because of that. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a Celtic fan, but you know, Kemba. Now, I know I said before he's had his chance because you know Hornets and Bobcats have made the playoffs and they've been terrible. But I mean, now with a real team, maybe we do see some of that cardiac Kemba that we've been waiting to see in these like big spotlight moments. Maybe he's in the bubble. But <laughs> in order to do that, <laughs> yo. You couldn't have picked a better venue and a better situation if you're a Celtic fan, given Kemba's history. You're trying to trying to replicate history, like you know, four games in five days. 
<laughs> playing playing the new the new matinee. He even he been giving guys thirty in that new matinee for years. <laughs> so so he he's ready for it. Um, shout out, massive shout out to Kimball Walker. Obviously, uh, that's uh, gonna do it for this podcast. Man, for as heated and as pissed as I was during that Gunny segment, what a way to turn it around uh, at the end there. Um, great job, Kendall, with that. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, watching this, listening to this podcast. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, uh, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, catch our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, where we have the original uh, sports and superhero that we need to do more superhero. Uh, content. Um, also, be sure to catch us on social media. You know, we're on Facebook, New Generation Media, on Twitter, New Generation Pod, and on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.